talking about understanding the role of musculoskeletal pain and the way it plays on uh, adrenal fatigue and, and then what you can do about it. So, so basically, let's get started here. The legal disclaimer, the information including but not limited to text, graphics, images, and other materials contained in this presentation is for informational purposes only. The purpose of this conference is to provide an understanding and knowledge of various health topics. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regime. And never dis, uh, disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have encountered in this presentation. So glad to get that out of the way, and I'm really, really excited to talk to you guys today. Uh, I want to make sure that you guys get the most out of this, so let's just make sure that you focus and you concentrate and you turn off any phones or other browser windows that you have in front of you because I really want you to get the most out of this presentation tonight. So, so let's talk about understanding the role of musculoskeletal pain and how that impacts your adrenal glands and most importantly, what you can do about it. I do want to let you know that at the end of this presentation, we're going to be giving you guys a really great gift. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun together. And uh, before we get started, um, I want to let you know that I'm going to invite you to work with me one-on-one -on -one to help you overcome your, your pain and your adrenal fatigue. i got a lot of experience in this area. Um, unfortunately for me, I've had both pain and adrenal fatigue, so I've developed this program, and now I'm dedicated to helping anyone who's suffered with these debilitating problems like fatigue and energy problems and not um, being focused and anxiety and also not being able to sleep, getting up in the middle of the night or waking up in the morning exhausted and crashing in the middle of the day. And, and what's really worse is, is that the medical profession is not acknowledging this as a real legitimate problem. And we'll have other webinars that will discuss that specifically. So anyways, I have that special gift for you. Keep that in mind at the end of the webinar. So let's go into the webinar. So let's talk about what we're going to cover tonight. What we're going to cover is why musculoskeletal pain is often the root cause behind brain fog, anxiety, fatigue, exhaustion, not being able to bounce back like you used to, and ultimately adrenal fatigue. I also want to talk about why your medical doctor doesn't make the connection between your musculoskeletal pain and your adrenal glands. We're also going to talk about what are the best tests for determining uh, your adrenal gland status that your doctor probably doesn't even know about. And then, I'll, then I'm going to end with two supplements. I want to give you guys some really good um, usable information and two supplements that you've probably never taken that your doctor probably doesn't even know about that can change your adrenal gland situation right away. So let's have some fun. Um, I'm going to be sharing a lot of information with you, and really it's important for you to understand um, how to overcome your adrenal fatigue issues, um, why you're stressed out all the time, suffering with chronic pain and not being able to bounce back, extreme exhaustion, crashing in the middle of the day, being wired and tired, going to your doctor and having your blood test be normal, nothing more frustrating than that, going there and being told that you're normal even though you tell them you, you feel terrible, uh, or worse, being told that there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue. So you've done all this research, you're online, you're looking at Facebook pages, you're doing your own, your own due diligence only to be shunned by the 
the doctor is telling you that there's no such thing. So focus in on this video. Please turn off your phones, close other internet browsers, lock the door, do whatever you got to do to stay focused with me today. So, all right. So why should you listen to me? What do I have that can contribute to you? So let's talk a little bit about my story. I'm actually a doctor of chiropractic for the past 15 years. Um, I grew up in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I am from a traditional medical family. So my sister is a family practice doctor. Um, my mother actually is a public health nurse that went into the school systems in Toronto and would immunize the kids for vaccinations. My, um, my cousin is a trauma surgeon, and my uncle's a dermatologist. So I am from a traditional medical family, and right after I graduated with my exercise physiology degree in at McMaster University, I injured my back, and it was a devastating injury. I was being foolish. I was in the gym. I was trying to follow a program of someone, of a bodybuilder, and um, I injured my back, and it was like a duck being shot out of the sky. It was so painful, and uh, I remember coming home and telling my family, and they insisted that I go see an orthopedic doctor. So that's what I did. Went to go see an orthopedic doctor, and the doctor told me right away that I needed surgery. And that was unacceptable for me. I didn't want to have surgery. Uh, that was the last thing that I wanted to do. Didn't, I was a very holistic person, didn't take any medications, or very, very seldom did I take medications, although my mother would run to the antibiotic um, cabinet as soon as I got sick, had all my immunizations. But I just didn't want to go under the knife. So I rehabbed it. I actually was introduced to a chiropractor, and that chiropractor presented a really what sounded like a sensible program for me, and they told me that I'd be back and 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 on my feet and and back to normal in about six to eight weeks. And I really was. I rehabbed it. I did some some chiropractic treatment, and I went and did some uh, my own rehabilitation in the gym. And next thing you know, I was better. And and that's really what I decided to do. I wanted to become a chiropractor. So I moved to California, incurred over one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of student debt. And when I graduated in 2001, my wife was pregnant with our twins. And so here I was. We were moving from Florida to, uh, sorry, from California to Florida. And I ended up um, moving to Florida not knowing a single soul. My wife was uh, 20 weeks pregnant and she had to go on bed rest because of a incompetent cervix. And and we were at that point not even concerned about the twins. We were concerned about her because she had had some, some bad experiences and her lung collapsed in the hospital. So here we are, $150,000 worth of student debt, moving to a new state that I didn't know anyone, wife on bed rest and just I was exhausted and tired and and so, and so so we persevered got through um had all these signs of stressors opened up my own practice and started uh treating patients and I injured my back a second time and this time was worse than the first time I mean it was I was a 20 out of 10 in pain for a good I'd say four to six months. I I didn't have disability insurance, so I was lying on my floor in my office in between patients. And I had a patient bring in a book to me called um, Why Do I Still Have Thyroid Symptoms Even Though My Blood Tests Are Normal? And I thought, okay, great. That's, you know, that's exciting. Thanks for sharing that with me, but I don't, I don't have this kind of problem. So, so I just put the book on my desk and I didn't read it until eventually something 
dragged me back to it and I opened up and I started reading it and it was like a bolt of lightning. It was like, oh my goodness, this sounds like me to a T. And it was talking about adrenal gland problems. It was talking about being exhausted, having brain fog, um, being shaky, lightheaded and jittery if you miss a meal, um, crashing in the middle of the day, being wired and tired, um, waking up with very little energy. And it was just me to a T. And I was a bit upset because here I was, I had two undergraduate degrees. I had a degree in exercise physiology. I had a degree in psychology. I had just become a, a chiropractic physician. And and here I was learning about a condition that I hadn't even known about, never even heard about. And it was called adrenal fatigue. And so I had the, the condition to a T. But I had also had two prior back injuries. And I went for an MRI, and the MRI demonstrated a 2.5 centimeter herniation in my L5 which is huge and uh and a couple other herniations and so i um i ended up trying to figure out how do i get myself back on track here i got i got mouths to feed i got bills to pay and and i'm not exercising anymore and i'm 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 concerned here i'm concerned that i'm not going to be able to get better so basically that started my journey that started my journey into functional medicine. I went to Functional Medicine University. Um, I am now enrolled in the um, the College of Integrative Medicine. I also um, I'm working towards a diplomat in nutrition, and I've done um, some graduate studies in neurology. And I had a past conditioning uh, certified strength and conditioning program. So. Basically, I guess what had happened was my own experience made me realize that there's got to be a connection here. I'm exhausted, and in my case, I was stressed and 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 just basically stressed out before my injury and after my injury. And so I had to put a program together. So that's what we're going to talk about today, the relationship and what you can do. So so let's just transition to the this part of the webinar where you can get some uh take-home points that will hopefully be helpful. Um, so common symptoms of musculoskeletal pain, these are things like, you know, back pain, neck pain, leg pain, arm pain, burning pain, numb, numbness pain, tingling pain. It's really hard to appreciate pain when you don't have it. And so I see a lot of patients that kind of forget how bad their pain is when they first start with me and they focus in on the little pain. And then when they have a relapse or they do something that aggravates their back or their neck or their shoulder or their knee or their hip, all of a sudden they realize how bad it is. So um, you know pain when you have pain. It's burning. It's debilitating. It makes your muscles weak. Um, you, you have loss of sensation. It impacts what you can do. And just the simple things like driving in your car. I remember I couldn't sit in the seat it was just so painful um i and i would you know go to starbucks which which wasn't good for the adrenal glands but i would be so exhausted after this, this injury and i needed to get to work that i would be crouching in line like i was you know in the middle of a field going number two because i couldn't stand up straight it was just so painful and so when you have pain and you can't do the things that you want to do, um, it's just it's it's very, very frightening because you just don't know how you're going to be able to do the physical things you used to do, let alone just earn an income. So I definitely feel your pain, um, but let's relate this back to the adrenal glands. So um, this is where the, the connection starts coming in, though, is the unassociated neurological symptoms that doctors don't really put two and two together about. And 
and that has to do with um, some of these uh, other benign or um, unrelated um, symptoms that you may be experiencing that the doctor really doesn't think of, and that's stuff like loss of balance, obviously lack of energy. When you're exhausted all the time and you have chronic pain, it's kind of like someone poking you in your arm 24-7. You don't think about it on a conscious level, but your brain is processing it on a subconscious level, and it's and that's fatiguing. So a lot of the time when we get patients to decrease their pain, they sleep better. And when they sleep better, it's because their brain is not constantly processing that stimuli. Um, so that's that's a big part of it. Also, vertigo, so standing up, getting lightheaded, uh, going in a car and getting motion sickness, turning your head and, and feeling dizzy. Those are those are other benign or unassociated neurological symptoms that doctors don't really think of. Um, connecting the dots, uh, visual disturbances, and then cognitive changes like depression and anxiety and brain fog and memory loss and headaches and then endocrine disorders like low sex drive and a loss of erection in males or IBS and digestive problems or mood swings. And so these are a lot of the things that happen after the continuation of chronic pain stimulation that impact your ability to make energy. And that's really, really an aha statement for you guys in that when you have inflammation that's uncontrolled in your body, it's going to impact you metabolically. And it's going to impact you and your ability to produce energy. And that's going to impact your adrenals and your hormones and your blood sugar and your immune system and your neurological system and your endocrine system. It's going to impact all of those things. So, so so anyways, uh, let's continue. Um, so and, and more, all due to the effects of the spinal pain. So this all started with that musculoskeletal pain, or it was the proverbial, metaphorically, straw that broke the camel's back. And again, it could happen the other way around. You could have all the stressors that makes it a lot more prone to having a crash, or you can have the injury first and then have the stressors compound. So it's a two-way street. It's kind of the chicken or the egg. In my case, it was the um, the injuries first on top of the stress and uh, and they happened on either side of it. So, all right, so let's talk about some common treatments that most people do when they have musculoskeletal injuries, um, which are all good. Um, these are medical and structural treatments. They don't include the metabolic and neurological aspects, and really that's what you're missing if you don't have the um, if you don't have the whole integrative holistic approach of at least identifying the connecting dots between adrenal gland dysfunction and musculoskeletal pain, and at least the uh, the protocol calls to address both. So so let's talk about physical therapy. Um, physical therapy is great. I almost became a physical therapist myself. Um, it includes stretching, strength, strengthening, core work, flexibility, losing weight, uh, passive therapies. Um, there's some advanced therapies. All of those things are great, but if you have chronic inflammation in your body from some of the other metabolic uh, breakdowns that are occurring, you are not going to get a whole um, body improvement. 
epidurals. They wanted to do epidurals when I injured my back the second time. I had numbness on the outside of my right foot, and they wanted to do epidurals, and there was no way I was doing it. I just figured, you know what, I, I'm going to rehab this myself. Um, I have to go to work. I have to uh, feed my kids. I have to pay my loans. And in a way, I do think that that was helpful for me. I think that being sedentary and laying on my bed all day long and not getting out of bed would have been worse for me. Sure, there's a time and a place to take it easy, and if I'm too exhausted and in pain, I'm not going to go out. But I had to. I had no other choice. I didn't have disability insurance, and and I got some mouths to feed. And and I always say, and I said it in this my videos, think of your injury like an athlete. An athlete just gets signed to a multi-million dollar contract. They get injured, and and they're going to invest in that athlete to rehab their back. They have all the specialists in the world. They have all the therapies and the technology in the world, and they take that athlete through a, a passive um, evolutionary protocol where they go from just, just trying to reduce inflammation and pain to eventually trying to do a little bit more um, passive movements till eventually trying to do a little bit more active movements to eventually starting to do a little bit more um, functional movements till eventually doing um, even stronger movements than they ever had. I don't know if you've ever seen some athletes that have had devastating injuries that have had to work out harder than they've ever had before in order to get their, their body back. And so you got to kind of think of it like that. Obviously, you got to, you know, have a little bit of a limitation on it, but you also got to think of it as not so much I can't exercise because I'm injured. It has to be more I have to exercise because I'm injured. And and that's the mentality you have to take. Although, like I said, there's a time and a place for it. So anyways, um, surgery, there's also surgical considerations for sure. If there's neurological damages, if there is compression, if there's weakness, if there's atrophy, if there's instability, those are those are viable options. But again, you're going to have to, I mean, look at these athletes that get surgery. They, they get surgery and then they move them out of the bed as soon as possible to reduce scar tissue, to increase circulation, and mentally to get these athletes back on the field. So, And then there's the chiropractic, the structural only. And um, I have a little asterisk here, the impact of the epidurals on adrenals. A lot of people um, get on steroids or anti-inflammatories when they're injured, and, and that is an exogenous or outside-of-the-body uh, intake of cortisol. And, and, and what the adrenals do is they release cortisol, so it starts to impact the uh, ability of the adrenals to secrete its own cortisol. And the way I explain that is, imagine a domesticated lion who's in a, in a, um, in a zoo and it's being fed, uh, you know, it's being hand fed these little meat slabs and then all of a sudden you put it into the wilderness and it's been hand fed these meat slabs for, for years and years, doesn't really know how to fend for itself anymore. And that's kind of what corticosteroids do is they, they break down the ability of the feedback loops of your adrenals, your hypothalamus and your pituitary and, and the actual adrenal glands itself to self-regulate and, and it really depletes the ability to mount your own um, your own hormonal response. So that's an aside, but that certainly is something that you need to consider.
All right, so facts about surgery. Statistics show that one in 100 uh, low back surgeries are successful at relieving pain. If you Google failed low back surgery or failed back surgery syndrome, that's a real epidemic. And, um, you know, I think that if you're not, um, if you're not losing uh, muscle strength or reflex strength or your muscles are atrophying and you can't get back to work, you should try to avoid surgery at all costs. Um, most surgeries take place, again, within one to five years. Um, unknown stats are those that have adrenal involvement. So it'd be interesting to know of those surgeries that had to go for surgeries again, how many of those patients have um, fatigue and weakness and all the symptoms of adrenal gland problems. The brain habituates to the stimulus. So if the epidural works the first time, then the brain and the body get used to it and it doesn't work anymore. So you probably, if you've dealt with any types of back pains before, I see it all the time with my patients where they've had one epidural, it was great, it lasted for two years, they get another epidural, it only lasts for a couple months, and then the last epidural only lasts for a couple days. And basically that's that habituation. And again, you're putting steroids in your body and you're mounting a... Um, I guess, um, a false sense of, of adrenal output and ultimately causing some feedback loop problems of the adrenal glands. So here's a really important slide. Hopefully you guys can see these slides. And uh, I'm not sure if you can or not, but I'm hoping you can. Um, but either way, um, all chronic health conditions have some common threads. So just because you have a musculoskeletal injury doesn't mean that you can't have other other metabolic breakdowns in your body. And so basically, if you have chronic neck pain or back pain or shoulder pain or hip pain, typically that's what the specialist, the orthopedic, the physical therapist, the chiropractor, the internal medicine doctor, the, the physical pain and rehab doctors are looking at you as. And that's the problem with healthcare these days is, is that there's this specialization of, of providers that don't ultimately communicate with each other and the body is a very generalist thing, meaning the body has so many things that are going wrong with it and, and musculoskeletal is just one thing. And, and so when you have specialists in a field of medicine, when the body is a generalist, um, you, you can't help all the people. So other things that you could possibly have are type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance where your blood sugar falls too high or goes too low. That That's very, very common, especially if you've been taking steroids. That could really impact the, the, the blood sugar stabilization. Thyroid conditions, we're going to have a workshop on the relationship between thyroid and, and, and adrenals. I call those the Hatfields and the McCoys, um, which basically means that the adrenals and the thyroid um, are negatively impacting each other. Uh, fibromyalgia, a, a lot of people on the call tonight are probably dealing with some fibromyalgia symptoms. started out as a musculoskeletal pain and has developed into a chronic um, sore spots all over the body. Vertigo, sciatica, chronic fatigue, peripheral neuropathy, great likelihood that you have an autoimmune disease. Um, potentially, there is uh, musculoskeletal um, wear and tear resulting in narrowing of the canal, so stenosis. Um, gut problems, IBS, insomnia, not being able to sleep migraine, chronic headaches, and then, of course, the mood disorders, so focus, concentration. I mean, probably every one of you on the call tonight who've been, who've been having some kind of musculoskeletal problem have definitely had one, two, or all of these other uh, 
conditions that you've been dealing with. So let's talk about some of the metabolic imbalances, definitely meaning um, how you're producing energy. So, so not only do we have a lot of different common threads with conditions that we're dealing with, but also with the breakdowns that are occurring. So obviously the, the adrenal gland dysfunction is, is one of the major breakdowns that is occurring. Anemias is something that could be occurring from iron deficiency to digestion to absorption to B12 deficiencies to anemias of chronic illness. Um, thyroid dysfunction, we just mentioned that. Unstable blood sugar and hormonal imbalances. Good likelihood that the chronic inflammation from the pain and from all these other things that are going on are, is breaking down your gut lining and that's predisposing you to autoimmunities. I've had patients in the past actually which I didn't know about until now and I wish I would have known about it where as I was treating them they had a car accident and they swore up and down that after that car accident they developed uh, uh, MS and I'm like well how how on earth could a car accident cause MS but what happens is when you have such a depletion of your immune system and you have such a rise of your inflammatory cytokines um, then you start to have the turning inwards on triggering on the on switch of your immune system to attack different tissues. So I really would have wish I would have known that then because I think they wanted me to testify and I was like, well, I'm sorry, I don't really think that there is a connection. That was many, many years ago. So since learned that there is more than likely a connection. Um, also, hidden infections. There's a good chance that all of you listening to this have some form of gut health, hidden infections, um, compromises, bacterias, H. pylori's, um, virals, those are common, parasites, molds, pathogens, yeast, uh, all of that stuff. And then basically all of those things together create chronic inflammation. And guess what processes inflammation? Those poor adrenal glands, they have to constantly process that inflammation. And the car accident or the trauma was just yet another inflammatory cascade that was the was going to the well one too many times and the adrenal glands just said enough is enough. And then there's the connection with the brain and we're going to talk about that too. So let's get into that. So first of all, when we say you got a metabolic problem, we're talking about in basic uh, definitionary senses that eating food and converting it into energy is the way we describe your metabolism. So that's a really easy definition of you eat food and then it gets converted into energy and that's your that's your metabolism. So if you don't have energy and you're crashing in the middle of the day and you can't focus and you're shaky, lightheaded and jittery and you're, you're cold or you're hot or you can't lose weight and you can't sleep, then guess what? Your cells from a molecular point of view are not producing energy so there's metabolic issues and um, and so and then here's the connection so if 30% of the energy that you must convert from the food that you eat goes to this particular system then how then then what system do you think that is the system is drum roll it is your nervous system so Basically what that means is when you eat food and you have to digest it and break it down and mobilize it and assimilate it and um, get it into the cells, 30% of that total energy that you've, you've broken down from the food you eat has to go to the brain. And so if your brain and you, and you, is not getting the fuel that it needs, then you're going to have some neurological disorders, hence that brain fog and the focus and the concentration and and um, the anxiety. All of that is 
in part because of the fact that you're not getting proper fuel to the brain. So let's put it another way. Bad metabolism, not making energy, is causing a fatigue brain, and in turn, it's increasing the structural damage or it's causing a influence on the structural damage to the spine because the brain tells the spine to hold itself in an erect position, and it also tells the spine where it is in time and space. So what's happening is you increase your muscle tightness, discompression, postural alignment problems, pinched nerves, degenerative disc disease. It's causing a relationship. It's a cause and effect relationship. So for permanent results or to at least try to get back to a recovery status, you've got to work on all three of those things, which is basically the metabolic issue, the ability to convert food into energy and reduce inflammation, the structural problems, which we talked about. You can go through physical therapy or chiropractic or exercise or yoga or core strength, but something that's going to cause um, some mobilization to the injured area. And then, of course, the neurological link and the brain and the cerebellum. So ask yourself, have you done all three of these things? Because if you haven't and you're still suffering, then there is a, an area of focus that you need to, to work on. And this is why your medical doctor doesn't make the connections between your musculoskeletal pain and your adrenal glands because they are a specialist and they're not looking at your metabolic issues and they're not looking at your structural issues and your neurological issues all at the same time. You know, I I unfortunately think that medicine does a great job when it comes time to an acute condition. And so if we have a, a, a chronic, sorry, if we have a car accident, knock on wood, if we have a broken bone, if we have a infection, um, if we have a stroke, all knock on woods, medicine does a great job. But when we have a chronic condition, when we have fatigue and insomnia and fibromyalgia and adrenal fatigue, uh, not only do they do a lousy job with it, they also don't recognize a lot of that. And they think that you're the weird person and something's wrong with you because your blood tests are normal and that we can't find out what's wrong with you and it's got to be you and it can't be us and you're the difficult patient. And that's really, really frustrating on top of the pain that you're feeling. So I totally understand what you're going through with that because I've lived it myself. So anyways, let's start with the brain. The brain uh, begins to break down. It's not getting the fuel that it needs. And we have different areas in the brain that are responsible for different functions. So focus and concentration is the front part of the brain. It also moves your eyes um, to different areas in, the, in time and space. So, you know, the example I use is if you have focus issues, if you're watching a TV show and someone's talking in the background and you just can't drown out that information, um, then there's a good likelihood that that brain, that front part of the brain is breaking down. Memory, you're not remembering faces, you remember small things or it's just short-term memory loss. There's a temporal lobe problem. Balance, coordination, going in a car, getting vertigo. There's a back of the brain problem. And then if you have numbness, tingling, uh, pain or, or pain all over the body, that's a parietal lobe problem. So it's really important to assess what part of the brain is breaking down so that just like every other muscle in the body, you can rehabilitate it. So if you had a bicep injury or you broke an arm and you were casted for a couple weeks, a couple months, depending on how bad the injury was, it's not like you say, okay, forever 
recover, I'm not going to be able to use that muscle anymore, you're going to rehab that muscle. And you're going to do activities and you're going to do bicep curls for the muscle. It's the same thing for the brain. You can do brain exercises for the frontal lobe and, and have eye movements. Or you can do um, you can do back uh, parietal lobe exercises or you can do uh, temporal lobe exercises and smell and, and sounds. And you can do... Um, cerebellar activity like balance and proprioception. So a lot of things you can do to influence the different areas of the brain. And I guess perhaps we can do a workshop on adrenal fatigue and brain therapy at some point. Just let me know with the questions at the end of this webinar. All right, so the cerebellum fatigues, it causes loss of balance, vertigo. And the, and the interesting thing about the cerebellum is it receives its information from the spine. So if it's not getting enough information from the spine because of injuries, then all of a sudden it's going to cause even further cerebellar problems like clumsiness and dropping things and, and so forth. All right, so what what causes some of these other breakdowns to the cerebellum? Basically, it's the chemical and physical stress. One of the things that a lot of my patients that I work with think about, I had a consult today and, and I was talking to a patient and she says, well, I'm not under a lot of stress. And I said, well, physical, uh, mental stress, sure, you, you may feel that your life is good and you don't have financial, pro financial problems or you don't have a marriage problem or job problem, but that's not the only stress. We have stress that's physical. So she was a, a dealer in a casino, and so she's on her feet and repetitively using her arms and her body. So that's one thing. Um, that casino could have toxins, so smoke in the air and um, and touching things and germs and that's another source of stress or she could be eating really crappy foods and she has a lot of inflammation to gluten and dairy and soy and egg and that's another source of stress or she could have um what's an environmental stuff like pesticides or molds or heavy metal toxicities like mercuries or aluminums or fire retardants that's another form of stress so your body doesn't care where your stress is coming from it just thinks of it as a meat grinder and it creates the sausage of stress where it puts in um puts in i guess you can put in veal you can put in chicken you can put in pork you can put in beef you can put in all those different types of stressors and it's going to produce the same same sausage. It's the same thing with the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands just process the stress, they process the inflammation, and over time it's going to just fatigue and break down. So some of the other things that could be stressful to the adrenal glands is anemias, blood sugars being imbalanced, food sensitivities, immune system breakdowns, Poor diet, so eating way too much omega-6 to omega-3. These are hydrogenated oils and processed foods. Um, hypothyroid function, prescriptive drugs, hidden infections. These are all metabolic problems that create um, cerebellar and spinal problems. So I hope, hopefully now we're connecting some of these dots for you guys. Um, the cerebellum and the brain require two things to function properly. They need fuel in the way of glucose and they need oxygen. So it's really important when I'm doing a functional assessment on someone that we look at their blood ranges from a healthy point of view, which we're going to talk about in a couple moments, and we make sure that they're getting adequate glucose and adequate oxygen in terms of red blood cells, hemoglobin, and hematocrit within a functional range. I can't tell you how many people I consult with 
with that have not, they're not sicker than the average sick person and so they're told they're normal yet they're outside of the healthy ranges they're not as healthy as the average healthy person so they have low-grade anemias and they're exhausted and they're tired and they have no energy and that's stressful to the body imagine going in a room that has very little oxygen is that a stressful event for you yes of course it is so that's going to cause some excitation of your adrenal glands again and then again we talked about the activation of the brain and doing brain exercises and it's a little bit beyond this teleseminar tonight but definitely ask me if you have any questions um, how do we go about doing that so metabolic disorders causing cerebellar problems adrenal gland dysfunctions anemias blood sugar imbalances food sensitivities, immune system breakdown, thyroid dysfunction, hidden infection. So if I have a patient that has musculoskeletal pain and I, I'm not looking at their blood work, and I'm not looking to see if they have um, a, um, a healthy blood sugar level, and I'm not looking to look at their white blood cells, and I'm not looking at their thyroid function, and I'm not looking at their liver, am I missing something? Am I, am I just saying, okay, you know what, all of your energy issues and all of your pain is because of your musculoskeletal issues? and it has nothing to do with the metabolic breakdowns that are going on in your body, that's a really, really naive way of practicing. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit skeptical in that way, and I like to call it as it is. But So how do you know at the end of the day if you have all these things? And the answer is proper testing. And how many of you guys are getting proper testing? Probably not too much. The reason that is is because usually you're getting improper testing in that the lab ranges are so freaking broad. I'm sorry to swear but it's just ridiculous i um i talked about a workshop the other day and i told the people that were there that you got to think about how do they come up with these lab ranges and the way they come up with these lab ranges is they base the results on all the people that took the lab at the lab at that particular lab the year before so so if you live in uh, in texas and i live in florida um your lab range is going to be different than my lab range because the people that went to do your lab is different than the people that did my lab. And and so we base it on, on the lab ranges of the people that did the, the lab the year before. But guess what? The people that did the lab the year before, they're not that healthy. They're getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So unless you're actually sicker than they are, you're told you're normal. So that's number one. Number two, because these lab tests are so broad you can still have symptoms before you're sicker than they are. So as an example, I had a patient come in the other day and her blood tests were anywhere for glucose, the ranges, and this was somewhere in Florida, I don't remember the lab, but the ranges were 65 to 130. So basically it meant that if her blood tests were 60, sorry, it was 60 to, 60 to 134. So that means 61 and 133 are the same. So that's ridiculous, number one. Number two, it means that unless you're 59 and 135, you're, you're, you're not told that you're, you're, you're sick. You're told that you're normal. And, so, and then number three, if you know anything about what the diagnosis of diabetes is, what you have to be to be above that, it's 126. So what that's saying is it's normal now to be um, 
to be diabetic because 134 is considered normal and 126 is a diagnosis of diabetes. So the first thing I would say is if you're being told that your blood tests are normal, it just means that you're not sicker than the average sick person. And that's really, really frustrating because you're looked at like you're a hypochondriac. You're looked at that that there's nothing wrong with you. And you know what? I'm going to be politically incorrect here. Why do they do that? The reason they do that is because in healthcare today in the United States, the medical model is broken. I'm sorry to say it, but it's broken. And what that basically means is that insurance pays for very, very little, and it's a pharmaceutically based model. And what that also means is that the doctor at this point is getting paid less today than they are you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. I graduated in 2001, and Medicare pays me less today than they did in 2001. And guess what? My my health, my all my expenses went up. My staff went up. My I mean, I'd love to pay my staff what I paid them in 2001. I just wouldn't have anyone working for me. Um, also, my rent went up. So everything goes up except my reimbursement. So I always ask rhetorically, do I have more time to spend with you or less time to spend with you? I have less time to spend with you. So, so what happens is the doctors don't end up even reading your tests. I always ask this question, who reads your lab tests? And most patients will say, um, the doctor. And I say, no, think again. Um, the nurse? And says, no, think again. Uh, the lab tech? I said, no, think one more time. And really, who's reading your tests is the computer. The computer sets a range, which is based on all the sick people that took the lab the year before. And if you're not sicker than them, you're told you're normal. And that works fine for the doctor because guess what? Your lab tests are normal. You don't have to do anything. And the the patient says, "Well, wait a minute. I don't I don't feel good." And like, "Well, you should feel good. You're normal." And and the patient says, "Well, I don't feel good." And the doctor says, "Well, you know, I, I don't have time to spend with you. Why, why don't we give you Why don't we give you an antidepressant? Or why don't we give you a muscle relaxer?" And we're not addressing all the things that are breaking down in your body. And it's not just the musculoskeletal pain. So I'm sorry to break it down that way. It makes me really mad, but that's that's what it is. So I tell a lot of patients today, in today's day and age, you gotta you gotta come out of pocket a lot of the time to to get quality care for your health care condition because. Um, you can't pharmaceutically um, drug yourself to good health, and a lot of the tests are not going to be deemed medically necessary because you're in the normal ranges. So it's ridiculous, but it is what it is. And the other thing is that lab tests that are ordered are, are not even broad. Like I can't tell you how many times I'll look at someone's blood work and there's no cholesterol on there, there's no vitamin D on there, there's no thyroid antibodies on there, there is no homocysteine and uric acid on there. Um, there's no iron panels on there. Sometimes there's no even white blood cells on there. And it's, it's like, let's just do the bare minimum and figure out uh, if there's any major red flags. And if there's none, then the patient's normal or we'll just give them cholesterol-lowering medication, pain medication, neurotransmitter medication, antidepressant medication, uh, neurological medication. And, and at the end of the day, the pharmaceutical companies are winning. So... Anyways, I digressed. I apologize, um, but that's what it is. So just be, being told that your lab tests are normal doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy, and it just means you're not sicker than the average sick person. So, um, yeah, and these are some values like TSH, um, 
5.3 to 5.7 a lot of the times are the traditional lab ranges, whereas the functional ranges are 1.8 to 3.0. So if you're, say, 1.6, you look fine on the traditional ranges, but if you're uh, on looking at it on the functional ranges, you're actually low. So first thing that I would do is if you haven't worked with a functional medicine doctor, make sure that you have them put your, your lab scales on a functional range so that you can start to discern some things that you've never been told about. I've told patients about low-grade anemias that they have. I've told them about liver congestion, and they've come back to me and said, well, my doctor never said I have this, and these blood tests are normal. I said, well, don't you feel tired? Don't you have inflammation? Don't you have exhaustion? Yeah. Well, you're you're not fitting a CPT code for for diagnosing of a of an a, of a anemia, but you're trending there. And and so the example I use is imagine my kids. I have 13 year old twins, and they're in school. And and the traditional medical model would be let's wait for them to start failing the grade before we give them any extra help. But if they're getting a D, if they're getting a C, then they're fine. They're normal. And and the functional medicine approach is, well, they're getting a D or a C. They're not learning the grade. Let's get them into an A. And that's a huge difference for your health. All right. So what are the best tests to determine your adrenal gland status that your doctor probably doesn't even know exists? Um, you can start with the complete blood test. They know about that. Um, you can get thyroid markers and antibody tests and A1C, and that's not really um, going to tell you you have adrenal gland problems. You can look at sodium concentration and potassium concentration and electrolyte concentration. It gives you some kind of idea. Um, what doctors are doing, though, is they do the stimulation test, and that stimulation test is where they basically – they, the adrenal glands are stimulated by um, the pituitary. So think of it like this. The, the hypothalamus is the central con con command station, and it senses stressors in the body. So let's say you get held up at gunpoint. Bad example, but let's say that happens. Your, your hypothalamus will immediately send a neurological loop to the brain or sorry, to the to the adrenal glands, and, and adrenaline will get released. That's not even a blood releaser. That's in a, a neurological instantaneous release. Then what happens a couple seconds later, the hypothalamus tells the pituitary, okay, you got to go settle us down. We're breathing too heavily. we got heart palpitations. We're, respiratory function is, is going crazy. Go tell the adrenals to make some cortisol to settle us back down. So the ACTH is released from the pituitary, and it goes to the adrenal glands, and the adrenal glands say, okay, i got to switch gears. So I call cortisol like the clutch. It's got to switch gears from, from high shift to downshift, or sometimes from downshift to upshift. So what the ACTH test does is it, it gives you an artificial ACTH in your body, and if your adrenal glands release cortisol, you're told you're normal and you, there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue. However, that's not the only breakdown that can occur. You can have a problem with the pituitary releasing ACTH because the pituitary is suppressed, but we're not testing that because we're giving you ACTH and we don't take in consideration maybe the pituitary doesn't work so well. 
or maybe the response that you get from the adrenal glands is weakened. It doesn't really look at that either. Or maybe the circadian rhythm that is high in the morning and low in the evening is different at different times of the day. The ACTH test does it, uh, ACTH test does it only at one time. So it's missing out on a lot of things and yet there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue. So then what do they do is they just do a cortisol test. One blood draw in the morning and yes, at least it measures cortisol, but no, it doesn't measure your circadian rhythms and it doesn't measure feedback loops and it doesn't measure concentration of hormone and all that other stuff. So so basically what we've done is we've done other ways to test and salivary tests are very good. Um, it looks at the adrenal glands. It looks at the free fraction of the hormone so it's not bound to a protein and it's just a saliva test and it can tell you different uh, ranges at different times of the day and, and give you an idea what stage of adrenal fatigue you have. However, it doesn't tell you about the the met met metabolites and so the metabolites are how the hormone is being broken down and, and, and made into other hormones because you can have some metabolic breakdowns on one hormone um, and not on another hormone, and you're going to miss that with when you're just doing the salivary test. So we do a DUTCH test. It stands for a Dried Urine Test for Comprehensive Hormones. It's the most up-to-date advanced hormone testing on the market. Uh, it's brand new. That chances are your doctor hasn't even heard of it. And basically the way it works is you, you pee onto a, um, a test strip. It's a dried test, uh, basically a, a test strip. You do that at 6 o'clock or you do that at whatever time you have your dinner. And that's what I like about that too because your dinner may be different than my dinner time. So we measure it at the time you do your dinner and then the time you go to bed. Again, your di your bedtime may be different than the time that I go to bed. So then you measure it at the time you go to bed then you you would measure it the morning uh you get up in the morning you can't lay in bed for longer than 10 minutes and your wake up time may be different than my wake up time and then really the only thing that's consistent is 2 hours after that is when you do their fourth reading so you get an idea as to how your circadian rhythm is is changing over the course of the day and then you get to look at all the different metabolic breakdowns of estrogen and androgens and DHEA and cortisol and cortisone and you can really get the best information you could possibly get. Um, it was developed to improve the available hormone testing from those listed above. The Dutch offers extensive breakdown of adrenal hormones as well as sex hormones and the metabolites. It also correlates very well with 23andMe when you're looking at methylation, which is a whole other workshop. And also, it, it you can ship the samples um, across the world. So I've worked with patients in different countries, and we can send the samples to you, and they can be measured here in the United United States. Um, so basically it comes down to you're inflamed. You have chronic inflammation from a musculoskeletal injury, you have metabolic issues, you have neurological issues, and at the end of the day you got to remove all of these inflammation sources and it really takes a detective to figure out what's going on and not just going to physical therapy or, or rehab. you got to address all these things. 
So major causes of chronic inflammation are, like we mentioned, um, your, your initially your musculoskeletal injury or initially the stressors like I had. Um, other sources of inflammation are blood sugar uh, instability, crappy diets, omega-3s to omega-6 ratios are really bad here in the United States with processed hydrogenated foods, food sensitivities, GMOs, corn, soy, gluten, all of those glyphosates on those foods, breaking down your immune system, causing inflammation, unhealthy gut bacteria, hitting gut infections. And again, how do we figure all those things out? Proper testing. Does medical uh, testing test for these things? No. Does insurance typically pay for these things? No. And why not? Because guess what? We just said that your blood tests were normal. It's not medically necessary to test things that aren't wrong. You're normal. There's no such thing. So, so let's put it together here. We have some brain-based therapies that we recommend. You can do luminosity. They have some great apps, um, advanced treatments for structural problems we talked about, obviously doing lab-based metabolic care, so looking at um, dry testing urine samples. We do gut testing, food reactivity testing, organic acid testing, DNA testing, and then we do some functional nutritional strategies based on those results. Uh, so functional nutritional strategies, um, unique um, non-surgical pain relief treatment steps. Identify all sources of inflammation and eliminate them. So you got to do proper testing. We do non-surgical spinal decompression in our office. That's a great option for people that have musculoskeletal pain. We have to identify and remove all the metabolic and inflammatory problems that are going on in the body. Um, you can do advanced spinal exercises, and then you can do some nutritional protocols like cleaning up the gut, removing inflammation, helping the liver detoxify, um, reducing your stimulants, using multivitamins and minerals, making sure you're getting a healthy representation of a protein, carb, and fat. I am going to give you guys a workshop on becoming ketogenic because I think that's a huge benefit for patients that suffer with adrenal problems. So that's another tidbit of information. And then lastly, I want to close with a couple more things. I just wanted to close with two supplements you've probably never taken that your doctor probably hasn't heard of that can help you with your adrenal gland problem. And the first one I would say is something called phosphatidylcholine. And phosphatidylcholine is a fatty acid that helps repair the membrane of your cells. So imagine the mitochondria is where the, um, all the energy is taking place in the body. And that mitochondria lives inside of a cell membrane. And that cell membrane has to be strong, but it has to be flexible because it has to keep things out and it has to allow things to get in. And what happens is reactive oxidative species, oxidative stress, inflammation, blood sugar imbalances, anemias, um, xenobiotics, heavy metal toxicities, all of those things create free radical damage. And that free radical damage uh, and your inability of your adrenal glands to put out those fires are going to cause uncontrolled free radical damage. And that uncontrolled free radical damage is going to break up the cell membrane. And when it breaks up the cell membrane, we need to repair it. And we need to do that through phosphatidylcholine. So that could be really, really helpful and powerful for patients that are dealing with adrenal gland problems.
The other thing is muscle function. So when we're not methylating properly, whole other workshop for you guys, um, and in your body is mostly taking place energy inside of the mitochondria, those muscles are, are not being regenerated effectively. And so a great, great supplement used to be used by a lot of bodybuilders is creatine. And creatine can be used for muscle repair and muscle regeneration, and that's going to help your your mitochondria be more healthy, help your mitochondria generate more energy, help your mitochondria put out inflammation, and settle down the indirect uh, stressors to the adrenal gland. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.